They say banks are boring, credit unions are dull. We don't agree, we love them all. Except for the big banks and neos who take a market share, make consumers blue. Need a fresh perspective, new direction. Take back banking and make some connections. If you feel stuck, it's not your fault. Here's an idea, try thinking outside the vault. There's no reason for dishes to pile up in the sink. It takes the same effort to put them in the dishwasher. My wife reminds me of this on a regular basis, and she's right. I agree with her. Yet, shortly before recording this podcast introduction, I'm pretty sure I left a stack of dirty dishes on the counter. Oops. What does this have to do with community banking? I'm about to tell you. Hi. I'm Zach Garver, and you're listening to Thinking Outside the Vault, a podcast for community banks and credit unions. In his 2019 TED Talk, the behavioral economist Dan Ariely cites some recent research on financial literacy. In the U.S., we spend roughly three quarters of a billion dollars teaching people how to make better financial decisions. How much change do we see for all that investment? 0.1% improvement. 0.1%. Dan makes the issue clear when he says this. Giving information to people is just not a good recipe for change behavior. Like my wife's request about the dishes, facts and rationality aren't enough. He goes on to say, if we want to change behavior, we have to change the environment. On today's episode, we'll be diving into the conflict between what people say they want and how they behave when it comes to their loans. People want to get out of debt, but they seldom attack that debt as aggressively as they can afford to. Why not? And is it possible to reverse that trend? Enter the Casasa loan, and here to talk about how borrowers use the Casasa loan differently than other loan products are two of the people who brought it to market. Greg Schultz, Director of Product Management, and Chris Cohen, Executive Vice President of Product. Oh, and spoiler alert, Around the middle of the podcast, Chris reveals that the next iteration of the Casasa loan is coming this fall, and how it will change home lending in a huge way. Stick around so you can say you were the first to know. Greg Schultz, Chris Cohen, welcome to Thinking Outside the Vault. I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. Uh, We're going to be talking about Casasa loans, uh, which is not something that we've done on the podcast so far. So I think we've got some really good stuff in store. Um, I would love it if we could just start out with you guys uh, introducing yourselves and talking a little bit about what you do at Casasa. Greg, yeah, I'll go you want to go first? Go first. Yeah, absolutely. I'll go ahead and jump in. Uh, my name is Greg Schultz. I'm the director of product management on our Casasa Loans team. And I work primarily with our product and engineering teams to help deliver feature functionality and value to our financial institution clients. So a lot of working with our with our financial institution partners, our, our um, early adopters and betas, as well as our client management teams and engineering teams. Awesome. Uh, I'm Chris Cohen, Executive Vice President of Product at Casasa, and uh, I work with our teams to find uh, ways that we can work with our clients to bring innovative products to the market, things that help them grow and drive consumers in the door. Um, and it's a lot of fun. 
And it's really a fancy way of saying I get to take credit for all the good work Greg does. So <laughs> well, on, on that note, I mean, Casas alone has been out for a little while, uh, but it, it definitely isn't probably as widely known as we would hope. So I think it'd probably be helpful if we just start with a elevator pitch talking about what sets the Casas alone apart from any other loan in the market. I think it's a pretty easy concept to, for most consumers to grasp quickly, right? So if you think about like what is it that consumers care most about when it comes to well debt overall and then you know a specific loan if you want to use an example like the overarching thing that you'll hear from consumers over and over again is the first thing they want as soon as they get a loan is to get out of it um and so like what we really realized early on was wow there's this really big need in the market where consumers want out of debt and it caused us to ask a pretty simple question. If consumers want out of debt, what's precluding them from doing so? And so um, we really built the product on two core values. One is more transparency, better understanding. And that really was rooted in this fact that as we did more and more consumer research, what we found was, turns out consumers don't understand loans at all. Um, and the more questions we would ask them about, you know, how does your loan work? Or, you know, how does your balance go down? Like the more frustrated they would get. And so we saw that as a really cool opportunity. And it tend to like really match what you know, most of our clients want to do anyway. They want to be, uh, you know, leaders in their market. They want to help with financial literacy and all these other things. Um, and so we saw a really cool opportunity. And that's sort of the core first value, if you will, of the offering, which is really, really easy to navigate dashboard. It's not online banking. It's not a table of numbers. It's something where can cons consumers can get in, play around with scenarios, and actually understand proactively, like, hey, what if I were to pay an extra 20 or $30? What does that mean? And they can see it before they actually commit to a change. So that's the first one. Um, and then the second core value of the Casasa loan, the foundational value, if you will, is the ability for consumers to perform what's called a take back. And so what we found as we would talk to consumers more and more again in the research, um, look, consumers, they may not understand how loans work. What they do totally understand is that every dollar they put into a loan, it's gone, right? And so the mm -hmm. reason that this becomes a big problem, like Zach, take an example. Let's say I gave you a challenge and it was something you didn't understand how to do, or there was something you wanted to do and you didn't know how to do it. What's the first thing you would do? I, I mean, I, I don't know. I would probably start doing some research. <laughs> Maybe you would. Uh... I'm that kind of guy though. I'd be like, oh, what the heck is this? Well, turn, that's, guess what? That's what a lot of us do. And in uh, the world we live in today, that usually involves either you know, Google or YouTube, somewhere you can go and like seek, you know, guidance. And what we would see is consumers would do exactly that. They would search things like how to get out of debt. And what they would find is like, Hey, if you want to get out of debt, pay every dollar you can towards your loan um, or your loans in, in some cases. And that's really sound financial advice. But the challenge with like that approach is now imagine sitting at the kitchen table. It's late at night. You're trying to make a real world decision. You're with your wife, your spouse, your significant other, and you're trying to decide, do we really take $3,000 out of our savings account and put it towards our loan? That sounds good, except what if our car breaks down? Um, what if our you know, air conditioner goes out? What if, God forbid, a global pandemic hits and we you know, lose our job for a month? Um, and this is what the real problem consumers were dealing with. And we would hear this time and time again. And the more we would talk to them, um, the more we would find that what they actually kept doing was just leaving the money sitting in a savings account. And then they felt really crummy about it. We said, well, like, what if there was a better way? Like, what if they didn't have to make the trade-off between maybe what's financially responsible versus like what's best for their family? And that was really yeah. the genesis of the take back. It was let them pay ahead, get out of debt, save on interest. And if anything ever happened, click a button, we'll put it right back in your checking account, no penalties, no fees. Oh, and by the way, 
it's all super transparent, and easy to understand because of the way we structured the, uh, the digital component. So I know that was not really a quick explanation, but hopefully that gives you a little context. Well, I think going to the top of the Empire State Building. <laughs> <laughs> we got a lot of floors to cover. No, I think that's an important... I'm glad that we, we did that. And and I'll put the link in the show notes uh, for our listeners, but there's actually a demo that uh, they can go and try out and see how that interface works. And I think that, at least for me, like was an uh, aha moment where you're like, oh, oh, this is what you're talking about. Yeah, I've never seen anything like this, and, and that is cool. Um, so that's that's great. So uh, so now that I understand like the you know differentiating feature, uh, how do we see people actually using that today, especially today, with the you know coronavirus pandemic? Like this is making some big changes to how people uh, manage their finances. So how does Casas alone play into that? I'll let, I'll let Greg ultimately weigh in on like what we're seeing during the pandemic. Cause I think the, the data that we're seeing there is jarring. Um, and in a really positive way, I will say like, before we got into the pandemic, a couple of things that like really, really surprised me, um, about how consumers were viewing the product. One was their get it factor was way quicker than we initially had thought it would be right. Like we, this is a new idea. It's a new concept. And when we would go talk to consumers, there was like a real genuine fear on our side. Like, are they actually going to understand how this works? Or is this going to be a big mm. challenge? Um, and I'll never forget. We were sitting in one of the earliest focus groups that we ran and we had, we had a not nearly as pretty interface as what I'm sure you're going to link to. And, um, it was a general idea. And what we did is we explained this concept, just a basic idea. Hey, what if you could pay ahead and then take the money back? And I think at the time, and Greg, you might correct me, I think it was like 82% of consumers said, I'd rather have that. And then we showed them just this basic interface, like really easy to understand, um, you know, front end component. And the number jumped to like 98%. Matter of fact, 98% of the consumers said, you know what, I would actually take all of my debt and I'd refinance it into a product that let me do that. Um, and that was like, wow, we're really onto something here. And if you kind of, you know, move forward since that day, a lot of the early research has proven to be no consumers do utilize it in the way that we thought. And like to give you an example, if you look at a lot of like macro research, it shows like, oh, consumers don't have money to pay ahead or consumers don't have enough discretionary income. There's not, it's not that that's not true. What we saw in our research though, in a poll of consumers, we would say, hey, if I had this product, how many of you would actually go ahead and pay ahead? And the number was just north of 50%. And if you look wow. today, and Greg, again, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's just north of 50% actually have paid ahead and have a take back available. Yep, that's absolutely right. You Which should is, definitely touch on what we've seen in the pandemic. I think that that data is really, really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is one of the most amazing things in that when we when we first started taking this idea out to um, our financial institution clients, the, the boards of these uh, banks and credit unions were like, yeah, but my consumers don't pay ahead. <clears throat> and so we kind of got out there. And, of course they don't, because the money disappears. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but they're over here telling us they want to. And so when we got it out there and got it in consumers' hands, we immediately saw people taking advantage of it, um, which is really cool because you have over half of your consumers leveraging the the primary feature of your of your product, which just as a product person is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but when that feature actually does good for consumers, it makes it even better. And so what happens traditionally, just outside of COVID times, uh, we were seeing about five to 10% of our consumers actually accessing those funds on a roll in six months. So meaning they were paying ahead for some period of time. And then it's like a 
like a safety net, like a, a savings account. And then they would go grab those funds for whatever reason. Uh, Chris says you'd put the money in savings and, and do that. Typically, you put the money in savings and then your friend says, hey, I want to go to Mexico. You want to go? And then that <laughs> money comes right out of savings and you're back to square one. And so this is why, you know, of course, that same thing can happen with Casasolans, but we, we're not seeing those kind of trends because you're actually moving that money toward good. And so when COVID hit, immediately in February and March in Q1, we saw this huge increase in take-back utilization. Um, honestly, in terms of quantity, it was a 288, almost 300% increase in take-back utilization that we wow. saw in funds being accessed. So if you're on an institution side, you're immediately going to say, whoa, that's a huge risk. But go, what's, what actually ended up happening is, of course, with COVID, we had a spike in, in delinquency. But our spike, correlatively to the industry, was about half of what was what's being seen out there right now. And in fact, the average amount of balance, the actual amount of take-back funds pulled was only about $450 or so. I mean, what are we really talking about here? We're talking about a car payment. We're talking about somebody got a bridge to get to where they needed to be and are now able to get back on track. And actually, through the last two months, we've seen our take-back balances start to rebuild and increase again. And so, wow. yeah, isn't that amazing? We're actually seeing consumers have a spot. Oh, wait, I need this. This is bad be able to access those funds and then continue to move forward in a way they wouldn't have been able to otherwise. If they, those same borrowers with these, with the Casasa loan in a traditional sense would have hit, um, hit February and March and bust out their credit card at 25%. And mm -hmm. now they're way behind the eight ball. Yep. And so it's pretty amazing to see that a product like this going to help consumers in times of need, or just in general, if you want to get out of debt. I think I, I, I want to add just one point. I, this part, this is like another one. Um, we can move on after this that really floored me. We recently started tracking um, net promoter score, right? And so I'm, I'm sure anybody that listens to this probably knows what that is. If they don't, just a general sentiment of like, how likely are you to recommend it to a friend or a family or colleague or whomever, right? Th th this product. Mm -hmm. And we really started tracking it. We were tracking it right in the midst of COVID. And so like to give you like a benchmark, like in our industry, like banking products and, you know, financial services products, like a net promoter score of 20 is considered like, you know, right there at average. If you're up to like 25, you're doing really, really well. Right now we're seeing in the midst of a pandemic, a net promoter score of like north of 70. And oh what that means, yeah, that, it's really important though, right? Because that's goodwill that borrowers are now imparting back on the institution that gave them the loan. Mm -hmm. Right. And so not only I think like what's what I feel the probably most proud about what we built was it's helping people in a real time of need, which is awesome. That aligns to both our mission as a company, as well as, you know, all of our clients share that mission. Right. That's the whole point of being in a community financial institution is to be there for your community. But right. to actually have that goodwill be recognized and to have consumers say, yes, I would be extremely likely to tell my friends and family about that. I think it, it's just one of those unique cases where it's a win win. Um, and it's something that we should actually, you know, hold tight to and celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, so, so a couple things there, like what other loan can, and can you imagine being like, oh man, I got this loan. It's so awesome. Like, no, you've got a car loan like that. It, it's just a car loan. Everybody knows what that does. You don't recommend it. <laughs> right. You know? And then the other thing I wanted to, to tackle was, uh, Greg, you said something about like, oh my gosh, that's, that's this really high risk, right? Like if all these people are taking back that money, isn't that that risk that we're taking on? And, and, and I'm not 
you know, I'm not a banking expert. And, you know, like I trust you when you say that that's that it's not risk. But I think it might be worth unpacking that a little bit. But like, why isn't that take back a risk to the institution? Right. I think there's and I haven't dug into this enough and I'm not a psychologist to be able to <laughs> to speak to it. But there is a, an element of consumer psychology here. If you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you. Right. Mm-hmm. I've got a loan with one of the mega banks that I've paid and I cannot access those funds. I'm, I'm basically tied up and whatever I paid them, I've called them. They're not answering the phone. Um, I, I paid ahead on like the last four payments. And I'm just trying to get one of them back so I can do something else, mm-hmm. uh, buy groceries or whatever else. And they're basically giving me the cold shoulder versus here. I've got an institution that says at the click of a button, I can go access those funds. Okay, great. Now what I'm actually going to do with those funds? Well, I'm not, Odds are I'm not just taking them out to go default alone. Actually, our data shows that um, that's not the case at all. Consumers aren't going back in and gaming the system to access those funds prior to um, going delinquent or, or charging off. Uh, and so what they're actually doing is taking back those funds to do something. I, I wish I had better stories on that, and I'm, I'm, we're actually reaching yeah, out. I'm going to try to find out, but... I think the psychology of that's pretty, pretty plain. Like you, you build up the cushion for yourself and and then you use it. And then if at all possible, you build it back up and, you know, maintain that stability. Um, I think so the, I think. the other thing just that's worth mentioning too on this, because if, if I put my, I'm not a banker. I, I mean, I've got a finance background, but I've never sat and had to run an institution. So I would never, I, I, w- I would never pretend that I've had to make the decisions that they've had. I know that they're at a tough time right now. Um, but I think I can empathize with this idea of like, well, wait a second, if they're taking their money back, doesn't that mean I'm at more risk? And I think what's really interesting, and this is probably something that's lost just as an organization, right? Like the amount of time and energy across the entire organization, marketing and UX and all this that we spend, like trying to understand consumers and trying to figure out what are their motivations. So much of all of that foundation was built into the product really early on. And it's manifest itself in some interesting ways. Like I'll give you an example. Um, we today see north of, and Greg, please just tell me the number because you know it. I think it's north of 70% are enrolled in auto pay. Is that still accurate? Yep. I think it's about 75, okay. if not uh, higher. Perfect. So th- th- it's just a, one example, right? And so why is that important? Well, like um, if you've ever seen like a lot of these marketplace lenders are notorious for it, it they didn't invent it. But um, the idea is like if you were to ever go online and try to get a loan from like an online you know, mm-hmm. uh, originator, um, they're probably going to give you a little bit of a rate discount if you'll enroll in auto pay. Well, why do they do that? There's a scientifically, there is a direct correlation between folks that are on auto pay and folks that, you know, go delinquent and ultimately end up in a charge off. And so we've been able to achieve like really, really superior returns on it. And we never gave a rate discount. We didn't give a reward. We literally put something in front of a consumer and said, Hey, you know, if you enroll in auto pay, we can get your take back money to you faster, or we can get your payments processed faster. And the way you present that type of information it's really appealing to a consumer and, and they do it. And I think ultimately what that's led to is better portfolio performance. As Greg alluded to, we've seen it's actually just north of a 30% reduction in delinquency versus peer portfolios. Um, and again, wow. in the midst of consumers taking money back and forth, one thing that's super powerful, and I think a lot of institutions would appreciate this, again, how we position the product, how we enroll consumers into that product. Um, right now, now 93% of consumers have a checking account attached to the loan that lives inside of that institution. So maybe the checking account was a thing, or I'm sorry, maybe the loan was a thing that really appealed to them. But as we start to deepen that wallet share, as we actually get them more ingrained with the institution, kind of to Greg's point, there's this psychology about, 
well, wait a second. Like, I'm not just going to take my money out and do frivolous things with it. I worked really hard for it. I get to actually see the results of everything that I'm doing. This is there for an emergency. And then when they pull it, there's this constant reinforcement, both on, you know, the products that they have, as well as how the loan displays the information. It's like, Hey, don't lose track. Let's stay on track. Let's keep back. Let's, let's stick with our goals. And I think the combination yeah, of that absolutely. is something, yeah, like we, I don't know that we fully understand the power of it yet, but I think everything that we've seen is like really, really appealing to both us and our institutions. Um, okay. We can move on. We don't have to, we don't have to bore <laughs> no, people no, with I'm data. Glad, I'm, glad we, I'm glad we got into that, but I think that, I think that we can kind of segue into, uh, talking a little bit about like the process of, of building, you know, new products in the fintech space. And, you know, a, a lot of, you know, you look out there and at least a lot of the loan tech that I've seen is very much like speed oriented, right? Like how fast can you get approved or whatever that is, you know, it's like very getting you up to the point of the loan. Let's compress that. Um, and, and, you know, as a bit of a departure, like the Casasa loan, isn't that why is, why isn't it about speed? Uh, that's a really good question. I think it's, it kind of goes back to like the DNA and the fabric of our company and sort of how we've always looked at the world. So think about it this way, like our mission as a company is to help community institutions compete against the big guys. So like in that statement of itself, like there's this inherent bias that like, Hey, they're coming from a perceived disadvantage, right? They don't, maybe they don't have the same resources or maybe they're not, you know, these Goliaths with, you know, unlimited amounts of cash. And I think like what that forces us as an organization to do in, in our mission to support them is you got to kind of think differently and you got to think about ways that we can best position them to differentiate. I'll use like, like speed's a good example, right? Cause I think what you're referencing, if you think about like any marketplace lender, like kind of pick them out of the hat. I'm not, I'm not saying any of these are bad, but whether you're talking about like a SoFi or an Avant or a lending club, heck rocket mortgage, who's built the whole business on this for all of the glitz and the glamour and how pretty their sites are, you're right. At the end of the day, their entire business model is around how do I get a consumer from point A to point C faster than the next guy? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? Like, well, I mean, it seems like if, if that's where there's so much competition, I mean, it, that it clearly needed that, like the, the time from application to approval, like was, was clearly bloated if there was so much room to, to compress it. There absolutely was a market need there and they did a good job of filling it. And candidly, like if you look at even the partners that we work with today, like shout out to folks like Meridian Link, um, just as an example, we work with a lot of them, but that's one that we've got a really close relationship with. they also have amazing platforms to get consumers through a funnel quickly and they have incredible, you know, scoring models that sit behind it. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess my point is like when we thought about how do we build a product that allows our institutions to better compete. At the end of the day, I mean, Casasa Loans was actually driven by our institutions. They had seen all the stuff we had done with checking and we heard repeatedly for like years, I'm not exaggerating, hey, can y'all do something equally as innovative on the lending side? And what we really were scratching our heads and struggling and trying to understand was what is, what is that thing that would truly matter to a consumer mm -hmm. that when they saw it, they would say, I want that versus anything that's else that's out there in the market. And unfortunately, like speed's awesome. I would never discourage an institution from, you know, making their application process better and faster. <laughs> but the reality right. is, of course, nobody goes out looking for a loan and says, you know what I really wish? I wish I could get in more debt in as little as six minutes. Like that's just not, <laughs> that's not it's the, like the reverse advertisement for that. Right. And so we, instead, again, we went back to a core principle of like, what was a real need consumers had? 
they want out of debt. How do we actually do two things? How do we better educate them and how do we give them tools to do it? And then really like credit to Greg and all the work that his team has done. How do we then take that concept that we built and really, really operationalize it and make it really easy for our institutions to put out into the market, make it easy on their staffs and all of that stuff. Um, so that was the genesis of it. That's where it came from. I don't know if that answers your question though, Zach. Is that no, what I mean, I, yeah, that's, I think, I mean, I, I think that the point here is like, if the Casas alone isn't trying to, you know, beat those other fintech companies or those other providers at their own game, like what is it trying to do? Well, well you know, it turns out it's so, pretty significant. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I would go the other way on that. And, and if you take speed as a proxy for solving a need, right? What is the real consumer need that you're addressing with speed? It's not speed for the sake of speed. I would actually say it's probably convenience. Mm. And for yeah, a consumer, a the Casas alone provides so much more convenience than any other product out there. Because of, the, because of the user interface, because of the interactive dashboard, because of the way we display the impacts of your debt before you make decisions, because of the way we do all those things, because those funds are accessible on demand when you need them. All of the convenience factors that speed of application provides, we actually do in a long-term relationship for a consumer. And so I think there's another way to, to look at it in terms of our, our loan for a borrower has all of that built-in convenience. I don't have to go build an amortization schedule, find out what's going to happen if I pay an extra 20 bucks a month. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen if I pay an extra $100 a month and I need that money back. And that's really, really convenient for every consumer. So there's and a, so le and there's a level of away. peace of mind built into that as well that you're not getting from an, a you know competitive product, basically. Exactly. That makes sense. Okay, so obviously a lot of thought has gone into this. Can you guys give me a little bit more of a, I mean, how the sausage is made, but like a brief timeline of what it was like to take the Casas alone from concept all the way to where it is today? How much time do you have, Zach? <laughs> well, uh, go for the highlights, right? Because um, I, I mean, I, th I imagine that this is just infinitely more complex than than you know anybody who didn't w wasn't there and, and didn't see it. Like we just can't imagine. So I'll tell you, you know, it's actually I, I don't know play your highlight ever, reel. Yeah, I, I don't know that we've ever I don't know that we ever told the story publicly. So um, I'll give you the the Cliff Notes version of it. But it's a really it's actually a fun story. So. Um, I don't remember the product that we were building at the time, um, but we were we were actually working on a different product. And there was a presentation or something that, that we needed. And one of the gentlemen that helps us a lot with like screens and prototypes and all that as we're trying to convey ideas and get feedback, he's scrolling feverishly through his his you know computer to try and find exactly the screen that I want. And he's going through, he's like, oh, it must be in this old folder where we had all these other ones. And he's scrolling through and he gets to this screen and it was like one of the very first um, concepts that we had. We, we didn't really know what the product exactly was going to be. I'm talking about the loans product, but mm -hmm. there was this general idea. And this general idea had actually come from a concept that Gabe Kragic, our CEO, had had years prior, right? And so he gets to this screen and he keeps going by and I say, hey, wait a second, go back to that other one. And, uh, you know, he's like, what, this thing? And he's trying to explain to me, he's like, it's kind of like a loan. And again, and at the time it was just like this light bulb went off. I was like, that is exactly what our institutions are asking for. Like, we didn't know if it was actually going to work or not. We hadn't done all the consumer research. Um, but like, I think in that moment we were like, that is, that's something. And I vividly remember talking to Gabe, John Wapsh, who runs, you know, uh, he's our chief innovation officer and saying like, we should really, really do this. Um, 
it was not an immediate yes. Um, I think, you know, and the story should be written. Like they were like, yeah, absolutely. It wasn't, there was a lot of like, please, please, please. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and, uh, the, the process of getting, you know, from seeing a screen to where we are today, it really comes down to, there was an enormous amount. And like, when I say research, it is talking to consumers. Like, again, we're a consumer centric company in the sense that we want to build things that people want, but we're also a company that serves, hundreds and hundreds of community institutions who have compliance considerations. We always have to consider they have, you know, local markets and one market's not ever going to be exactly like the other one. And so it was constant conversations with so many of our partners to say, Hey, what do you think about this idea? Um, and early on, like if I'm being really honest, early on, there was a lot of eye rolls from our institutions, not that they were wrong, (laughs) but I, you'll find a few, if you dig deep enough and they'll tell you, he walked in my office and I told him that's illegal. There's no way we're going to be able to do it. And so that necessitated a lot of trips to, you know, various attorneys to really talk about it, get that piece going. But I think like once the research hit, like once we could see how strong consumers reacted to it, um, from there, it was, you know, the traditional product path, if you will, it was finding institutions that, you know, they lean more towards, Hey, I want to try innovative things. Um, it was really working with those institutions to figure out, okay, how do we build this to where you can support it? And again, seamlessly. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, kudos to Greg and team. And he can give you some examples. It was working with folks like him where letting him take the ball and saying, okay, now let's really polish this thing out and make sure that, you know, our institutions can, can fully support it. Sure. So, so that story of flipping through old slide decks, uh, can you put that in a year? Like that was probably, uh, how many gray hairs do I have now? Um, <laughs> that was probably, yeah, yeah, that was probably three, three and a half years ago. I know we, within about nine months, we knew that we had a, an idea that not only that would work, but we had enough software stood up that we could actually put live people on it. And we introduced that in Casasa nation about two years ago. So okay, it's been a long journey, um, but definitely a worthwhile one. And so where do you, uh, it, the Casas alone right now as it stands is, is auto and personal. Where do you see it going from here? Well, I think like it can go a lot of directions. One area that we've, we've always known we wanted to go to was mortgage. And the reason being that if you think about like, what are the biggest purchases a consumer is going to make in their lifetime? Like what are the things that when, when we talk about like, I want out of debt, for instance, Mm-hmm. Like the biggest debt that the vast majority of Americans have is the home that they live in. Right. And right. that was something from day one. We knew that's the product that we want to build. The reality though, in America is that the way that we've structured, for, it, it, this isn't a knock on it at all. Right. Like if you think about like our country versus so many other countries in the world, like we have a system that allows so many people to be homeowners and to, you know, build, you know, equity and wealth through that. So I'm not knocking it by any means. Mm-hmm. What I am saying is there's also a bit of a downside to it in that it is a very, you know, strict regimented industry. Um, I sometimes, you know, <laughs> I sometimes call it an assembly line, right? And if there's one little box that's not checked, then it comes off the assembly line and it can't mm-hmm. proceed. And if you think about like the really cool innovative features that we wanted to have in it, um, we knew it was going to take an enormous amount of time, you know, both from a compliance side, from a legal side, um, a better understanding of that market. Um, 
it required multiple trips to uh, Washington, D.C. to meet with the fine <laughs> folks at Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, um, right, who are right, great people. And, um, but I will say this, I'm, I'm really excited to say that we are entering um, beta testing with the Kasasa Mortgage. And that is something wow. that, yeah, it's, it's been a long road. We've got some really awesome partners that have lined up next to us, um, both our clients and third parties who have said like, this is a crazy cool idea. Like, let's make this happen. Let's work together to do it. Um, and it is our fingers crossed goal that that's something that we'll be able to introduce to all of our partners, um, in the very near future. Um, we just want to make sure that we get it done and we do it right the first time and that there's no, there's no hiccups. So, I mean, I'm sure that's, you know, that, you know, the first launch didn't have any hiccups in it. Right. <laughs> 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 Greg can tell you actually. Um, We're so, speaking from lessons learned here. <laughs> <laughs> we never had hiccups. When Greg was actually when, when Greg first came to Kasasa, he actually was not. Uh, he, he didn't come in and start working on loans. Um, uh, Greg, you were working with another product. Was it was it First Branch? Yep, First Branch and Inmo. Yeah, and okay. we had set up the the Kasasa loans product as we know it today. It was supporting personal loans and auto loans. And, um, if we want, if we ever wanted to get mortgage, uh, to market, it was like, I've got to go spend more time on this side. I've got to find somebody that can step in and run it. Greg was a no brainer. I think what I pitched to Greg to convince him and Greg was that like two years ago, (laughs) what I pitched to Greg to convince him to take that product and what he ultimately walked into were probably two different stories. Um, that said, I think that the collective learning and the things that we did learn throughout that process, um, as, as bumpy as they may have been. And so many of our clients could probably also tell you, like, <laughs> we were there early on, like they got some stuff right and they got some stuff wrong. Um, I think it's taught us a lot of lessons and ideally it's mistakes that we won't make again and make this whole entire thing a lot more seamless. What would you say? Uh, I'd be curious to hear what you, if you like, could distill it down to one thing that you feel like you really took away from that early process, like one one learning. What would you, what would you say? Um, I'll tell. You, maybe this is a rephrasing of your question. I, I'll tell you the thing that I think we missed on, right? Okay. And, yeah, and that'll work. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, we had we had so much feedback from our partners when we were building the product and. We knew, or at least we thought, we knew what they wanted. Um, we knew what consumers wanted. Um, I think the problem or the mistake that I made, this isn't on the team, this is on me. Um, it was, it was, I was leading it, it's, it this is on me. Uh, I was talking to a lot of executives, right? The executives at our institutions. Mm-hmm. And I think if I could go back and do it again, I would have spent a, or spent a lot more time with the folks that are on the front line and really mm. understanding the challenges that they face on a daily basis. And I don't mean like um, challenges, like problems they have to solve. I mean, like they're busy and there's a lot of stuff being thrown at them, like minute by minute by minute. Consumers are coming in. They need this. They need that. They're answering phones, you know, all, all of that, right, wrapped into mm-hmm. one. Right. And I think when um, when you don't understand that, and this is, a again, I'm not trying to praise him because he's on the call. Kudos to Greg. This is definitely something he recognized. And we've got some awesome partners that have helped us, you know, really turn this around and figure that problem out. But when you don't understand those problems, then there was gaps that we had things that I had missed. And like to give you an example, like imagine that you're somebody that's worked at a community bank or credit union for, you know, 10, five, however many years. Right. And Mm -hmm. you've gotten really good at this and you're constantly being bombarded with different things. 
it is a lot to ask you to say, I need you to learn something new. I need you to forget about how you used to talk about products and now talk about it this way. And what we would find is we have an amazing training staff. They would go in, they would teach them all of it. That was awesome. And then, you know, two months later, like they're just getting bombarded left and right with the day-to-day life of, you know, whatever role they're in. And it's so easy to fall back on the old way. And that was what we were finding is like, man, we got this killer product. Like why are more consumers not being driven into it or why, you know, you get the point. Um, And that, that took us a lot of time. One, to even recognize that was the problem. Two, to understand how do we fix it. Um, And again, we're there now and we're really starting to see the fruits of that both, you know, for us as a company, the biggest thing that I ever want is I want consumers using my product. (laughs) As I talked about earlier, our institutions are finally getting to see a lot of that value. Um, but it, it probably took longer than it should have. And I think if I could share advice, it's sometimes the boardroom's not the best place to get feedback. Sometimes mm. the teller line's the best place to get feedback. Mm-hmm. And um, if I could have one decision back, I'd, I'd probably take that one. <laughs> Greg, yeah. how, about, how about you? Yeah, I would say, I don't think we miss the mark on the consumer side at all. Um, I think we spent a ton of time and we built a product that consumers love. And we know that from consumer feedback. Um, what I do think we missed, and I think Chris hit on it, I think we missed some of the FI pieces uh, from the financial institutions perspective. And from their perspective, a loan is not just a loan. A loan is a, um, a micro ecosystem that carries all these additional products and services and add-ons and coverages and um, elements. And, and while you know that as a consumer and you know that working in the fintech space, it's hard to see the two things as one. And I, I think most of our institutions would say that they don't separate them. You don't sell loans without uh, debt protection or collateral or, or um, credit life disability insurance. That's mm-hmm. just a, that's who would do that. Um, but if you go look at like the SoFi's or the Avance, they absolutely do because they have a different business model. They, okay. they do um, structured uh, sales of, of pools of loans, right? And, and get do this thing completely differently. So when we're looking to meet consumers where they are and talking to consumers, a consumer's not going to ask you for a bunch of this stuff. Consumer's not going to ask you for payroll deduction on a loan, but the institution knows if you, and this is, goes back to Chris's point about the teller line. If you spent time, if we'd spent more time with them at the teller line, they said, well, yeah, but I can't give this guy that loan unless, uh, unless we get payroll deduction because he's a high risk. Mm. And this person wouldn't even qualify anywhere else. So, uh, it's, it was really digging into the FI needs, the financial institution elements. I think, um, to echo Chris was, was our, our gap, not necessarily a miss because we, as a B2B to C, we're trying to build products for an institution to deliver to a consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we knew the B was there. We just didn't ask them all the right questions. Um, that makes sense. Well, and, and you guys have talked a little bit about some of the, the partners that we've had and it, it strikes me, I mean, with somebody who works as part of our marketing team and, and has like a, you know, a, a sliver of a window in, into, you know, products and that sort of a thing. Like it, I get this sense that like the partner integration piece is like the rest of the iceberg, <laughs> if you will. Uh, t- can you talk a little bit about that experience of, of you know, working with finding the right partners and, and I don't know, building the rest of the iceberg? <laughs> this is probably the only time that I ever wish I just lived in Europe. 
Um, they, have, they have an open banking law and everything has to be able to be transferred, integrated and done um, across the board. Okay. Uh, the American banking system is so fragmented and you have different vendors doing different things. So you have a, um, at an institution, you could have a mortgage pricing tool. You have a mortgage origination tool. You have a core system you have that stores all data. You've got um, an MCIF or a consumer management tool. You've got, I think there's all these different elements. Of course, there's online banking and there may be a different mobile banking vendor and how everything connects. It is one of the biggest spiderwebs. And oh, by the way, it's different for every single institution because they have a different vendor or they're on a different version or they've done something else. Um, wow. Yeah, it is. It is a bear that Casas uh, has tackled for years, 15, 15 plus 16 years on our checking site where we've been able to build all these integrations and data flows for different partners and different uh, tech stacks. Um Good news is we've been able to capture a lot of that learning and move quickly um, as we identified the need on on our market product. So I'm happy to say we've built integrations with many of the, the major LOS players. We've built direct integrations with many of the major core players. There's a ton more on the way. And all of this goes back to Chris's point and why does all that matter so much? The, the borrower doesn't really care whether or not it shows up on the core system. The borrower is going to care when they go through that teller line and ask them when their next loan payment is. And that teller has to take an extra two minutes or five minutes to look it up somewhere. That's um, when it matters. And that's the little miss that you have when you don't ask those questions. And, and it's taken us a little bit of time, but we've got them down and, and we're able to fill those needs for, for the entire institution and streamline their operations now, which I'm really happy about. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes sense. I, you know, I, I, I can attest to that sort of thing just, just from my own life of where you, you know, you, you look at making a change and you think, okay, that'll be fine. Like that's, that's not my normal flow, but it'll be okay. And then you start doing it a couple times and you think like, I mean, it could be as simple as like, okay, we're going to put the cups in a different cupboard now, you know, <laughs> like that's not a big deal, but then you do it a couple of times. And you're like, this is stupid. Why did we ever change this? <laughs> yep. Absolutely. You know, and it seems so insignificant, but like if it's, if it's something you have to do over and over and again, every day, multiple times a day or whatever that is. And, you know, in, in the case of a community bank or credit union, it's not, it's not me putting away my dishes, right? Like it's, it's somebody standing there, they're on their lunch break. They came in at 15 minutes and you're taking an extra three to get them the information, like that friction then builds up. At least that's that's my like when I look at the situation, that's how it seems to me. So it makes sense that even though those things would feel insignificant, it would actually you know aggregate to be something really huge. Right, and so uh, essentially everything. To, I'm gonna take Chris's story. I'm gonna pick it up from from launch. Everything we did after launching and when I joined, we've been focused on improving the usability and operations for our financial institution partners. Um, and it's taken us a year, year and a half, uh, but we've closed every major gap that we had. And the rest of the time is just going to be making, um, bringing new products to life and, and simplifying and streamlining things, which is a great position to be in. Because now yeah. we get to help our partners help their consumers. Well, and it, and it strikes me that like if being in that position, like 
now you're freed up to go into the next stage, right? Which is more about marketing, right? Like how, you know, you, you have the freedom to heavily promote the loan because you're not constantly trying to go back and like hook things back together to make sure they're working. Can you guys talk a little bit about the, I mean, I work in the marketing department, but that's a lot of that is a, is a collaboration with, with you as a product team. Um, what's the marketing story look like for Casasa Loans? Actually, I, I'm super excited about the story that we're pushing right now um, because it's about maximizing your the institution's debt share of wallet. Uh, we knew when we built this thing in our research showed 98% of consumers said that they would refinance all of their debt to an institution at the same rate for a Casas loan. Now, of course, That's rates huge. have changed since then, but that is huge. And we also know that every consumer out there has debt with Capital One, with Chase, with Amex, somewhere. They've got a car loan with Ally. They, they've got something somewhere outside of your institution. Mm-hmm. And so what we're working really heavily with a lot of our lead institutions um, right now is to go back to, and then let me take that pause real quick, and then layer on the fact that we are in a global pandemic with unprecedented amounts of unemployment and uncertainty. Deposits are up. Um, loan volumes oftentimes are down. Margins are being compressed. What are institutions going to do to, to stay afloat and, and become more profitable or maintain profitability? Well, what we're working with our institutions to do now is capture that existing wallet share, the debt wallet share from their existing members. Who better to lend to than somebody that already has all their uh, relationships with you, but just has that car somewhere else or has something else somewhere else. And so what we're doing is working with our training teams, who who Chris mentioned uh, are, are some of the best out there, to get back in front of our clients and use every touch point to, to not ask about refinancing. I think that's the wrong way to frame it. But ask consumers if they want to get out of debt in a safer, more effective manner. And do Absolutely. they have any right? And do they have any debt out somewhere else that they can move over? Because we've got this great product that's built to help them get out of debt. And if they'd like to, they should they should learn about it. And and that's a really exciting program that we've got going. Um, because what you get to do at that point is maximize every touch point that you have with your consumers. And we know right now that those are limited. Yeah, you know, that, traffic well, that makes down. sense. That makes a lot of sense. Even just like analyzing myself, uh, if some you offer me, do you want a loan? It's like, well, I don't know. I don't need a loan. Like that's the last thing I need, but do you want to get out of debt? And it's like, well, uh, yeah, of course I do. Like that's, why are you even asking me that? Yeah, I want to do that. I mean, so that, I think that makes a lot of sense that just flipping that the, the other way and, and driving with the benefit first. Right. Um, Layer that on with kind of the engagement with our lifecycle marketing programs that come built in where we help capture um, consumers from the existing base uh, as well. And if wanted, we have all kinds of outbound acquisition and growth marketing programs that we can run where we use uh, channel partners as well as digital display, pay-per-click and everything you can think of from our incredible marketing team to kind of drive in that additional growth. I mean, the th- things combined by by capturing borrowers in, in within your base from touch points and our lifecycle marketing, as well as our uh, and having those members and those consumers turn around and say, I'm gonna actually recommend this. Eight out of ten consumers said they would recommend a Casas loan to a friend based on our net promoter scores. Eight out of ten. If you can get eight yeah. out of ten people <laughs> recommending your loan product to a friend, that is the best marketing you're ever going to get. 
Absolutely. Word of mouth still rules the day. Um, and layer that on with um, our performance marketing and ability to leverage channels and, and help institutions that we work with in the community space compete on a more um, convenient and swift manner with our partners uh, like the like the fintech guys and then then you've you've really got a recipe for success that makes sense I, i'm curious i mean I, I pay attention to advertising but what do you guys perceive to be the current like the current leading edge of say the like lending marketing space like how are how are those you know how is sofi and and rocket mortgage like how are they approaching consumer acquisition and and then you know if you can like contrast that with with our approach well i think right now and, and look this is a largely driven by the rate environment that we're in right now there's a micro focus on refi and that's across the entire industry um as greg said the good news there is we've got the best if you want to call it a refi product we've got the best refi product i think out there um, the other side of that coin, though, is understand that whether whether it's SoFi, whether it's Bank America, all of these guys, they're actively reaching out to your consumers to try and find loan growth, right? And so the it's it's very rate driven and it's very speed driven. So your typical advertisement from and your consumers are getting bombarded with them right now. Everybody needs loans, right? Um, mm -hmm. Those messages are get the lowest rate and get it in as little as six minutes. Um, I think where we, and, and Greg did a good job of explaining it, where we're really looking to contrast that message is, think about it this way, in this environment with where our unemployment is, another factor that a lot of institutions are having to reconcile right now, given this changing landscape, like a lot of the traditional credit scoring, you know, matrices and the tables and all the methodology that you would use, a lot of that's really been turned on its head. And mm. it's hard to know right now who to lend money to. How do I price that loan? Is this a good loan? Is it a bad loan? It's a pretty good indication that the the guy or gal raising their hand right now saying, I need money is probably not the one that you want to be lending money to, right? <laughs> Unfortunately, the people who need it the most are, are, not, are the least eligible. That's right. And so I think where we're really trying to advise our institutions is to Yes, leverage our loan product. We think it's a really compelling case to where one, you're protecting your existing borrowers, right? So don't let them get poached. Two, there's an enormous amount of opportunity that's already sitting inside your four walls. You just don't have it, right? Like it's mm. it's it's banking somewhere else, or it has that you know particular debt asset sitting somewhere else. Um, and the question really is like, okay, so you got a cool product in you've got an idea, that's really where the broader ecosystem of what we bring to the table comes into to play. And it's, as Greg alluded to, it's using all the data that we're analyzing on a daily basis. It's leveraging the platforms um, that we have that are always on so that you're constantly, you know, touching base with your consumers and you're actually putting, you know, relevant offers in front of them for things that matter. And it's leveraging our expertise in terms of like training, for instance, like like if the best interaction that you could possibly have with an existing consumer is, you know, person to person well, that that's yeah. like, that's what we all want. Right. And if branches are yeah. closed and that's going to manifest itself in chatting or it's going to manifest itself in a call center. And so let's really focus on how do we prepare those folks to where they can tee up a great conversation for a loan officer 
um, or for somebody on your staff that's going to ultimately have an opportunity to close that loan. Um, and it's, so it's not just, it's certainly not about speed for us. That doesn't mean again, that we don't want it to be an elegant process and we have partners or you, they, a lot of our institutions have great partners that we work with today. Mm-hmm. It's really more about smarter at bats, quality at bats and ensuring that we put relevant things that matter in front of them. And I think that's a lot more important than, Hey, we're cheaper than the next guy and we can do it faster than they can. Right. I mean, there's, you know, there's a, there's a lower limit on speed really. (laughs) Um, that's, that's interesting, you know, and something that we talk, I like to ask questions about on the podcast and I feel like is really important. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot, the range of institutions that are out there, their sophistication and capacity, you know, it's, it's all over the place. Some are in a space where they're like, you know what, what, we're going to do that in house, you know, and then some others are like, man, we really can't do that in house. Um, but I, I think that it's, I think there's a real benefit to, to unpacking that question a little bit is like, if you are serious about competing in the lending space, I mean, what do you, is it even possible for you to release an innovative, like to spin up and release an innovative lending product on your own as an institution? It's possible. And there are cases where institutions have brought to market some really cool stuff and they've built it in house. I think the practical reality and Casasa would be glad to attest to this and you're welcome to come sit with us and we'll probably show you some numbers. It's incredibly expensive. Um, and it's expensive, not just in software development or in research, but it's, it's kind of, you got to have the entire orchestra to pull a lot of this off. I mean, that's the world that we live in. Right. So Mm -hmm. Greg alluded to, if you want to build something really innovative, let's say it is a, a lending product. Um, can your core support it? I know like one of the biggest things that we ran into early on with the Casasa loan was when we were sitting with a lot of core processors trying to explain the idea some of those meetings were like five minutes. They were like, yeah, we, 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 <laughs> this was back oh, when you could fly. No. Right. Like, right. It was like, oh. well, I'm glad we booked on Southwest. We'll get it. We can change it for cheap. Um, but <laughs> okay. So that, that's one. Like, let's say I mean, five minutes and a like, Nope, sorry. No can do. Thanks guys. Exactly. Um, so, so let's say your core can do it. Well, you probably also have an analytics platform that you use to monitor the health of your loans. Maybe it's for ALCO purposes, maybe it's for financial purposes, maybe it's for reporting purposes, whatever the case might be. Can that, can that system support it? What about the documents and disclosures that you're going to have to put with that product? Um, the amount of lawyers that we have review all of our stuff and ensure that it can support all 50 states and that it can support, you know, that one random law that got changed last Tuesday or that <laughs> one little writer that showed up in that bill. No, I'm serious. Like this stuff's really, really expensive. And presumably you as an institution, if it's a lending product, you're also going to want to warranty those documents. Right. And if you built it in house and you didn't take the time to really talk to folks like a Walters Kluwer um, or CUNA Mutual or whomever you use, right? Um, they're, they're not just going to say, yeah, go for it. I mean, there's a lot, lot of due diligence that those parties do. We tend to bring them in pretty early on so that, you know, things like that can happen. But let's say you get through all of that and now you're ready to actually turn this thing on. Well, you talked about marketing. Now the question is, how are you going to market it? And how are you going to actually think through how a consumer is going to engage with it and engage with it, not just from the standpoint of, you know, when they log in, but on an ongoing basis, right? So are there going to be notifications built in? What are those notifications going to say? A lot of that takes extensive 
user testing, right? Like we have entire teams that do nothing but UX and their entire job, they're very talented people. They're way smarter than I am. Their entire job is around understanding how users interact with this one screen, how we get them to move from that screen to the next one. You you get the general idea, but you get through all that and you're good. And now there's a question of, is this thing actually performing as good as it can? And I think that's a really tough challenge because when you're looking at a, you know, statistical count of one, one institution, it's really hard to know, like, how are you comparing against your peers or how is this product comparing against what others are seeing? And I mean, totally. we're, we're blessed and fortunate. I mean, we can turn it on for 900 plus institutions and we're the first to share with you, here's how you're doing against everybody else. And here's what they're doing that's leading to better results. And you can take that or leave it, but you're not on your own, right? And so is it possible Yes, just plan on it taking multiple years and millions more dollars than you originally budgeted. Um, and at least you got something to start with now. Yeah, man, that's great. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. This has been a pleasure to speak with you guys. And honestly, for me to learn a lot about the, the process of developing a product and, and everything that has gone into the Casas alone. Um, very, I mean, for our listeners, like, uh, what what happened on this podcast is that Chris just said the Casasa loan mortgage is in the works. It's and coming. that is a huge deal. <laughs> it's um, coming. And and I and I, I you know, maybe we didn't spend enough time on that, but that's a really significant thing. And aside from that, just just the peek in, into into the world of what it takes to to bring an innovative lending product to market and, and make it successful has been incredible. So I so appreciate your time and, um, man, just thanks. Well, we appreciate you having us on Zach and for any of our client institutions, um, we're thinking about you hang in there. Just, um, I know everything's troubling right now, but never forget that our country wouldn't be what it is, uh, without institutions like that. that are there for their local communities. They're critical to the foundation and fabric of, you know, where we live and all the things And we're here for you. We want to support you in every possible way that we can, whether you want to do business with us or not. Um, we're always happy to take you a phone call, give you advice, share everything that we possibly can. So we'll all get through it together. Man. Thank you. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks, Have a good sir. one. Yes, you heard that correctly. The Casasa Loan Mortgage is coming this fall. If you want to learn more about whether the Casasa Loan is a good fit for your institution, visit our website and request a demo. I'll make sure to include a link in the description. Now, back to that issue of changing the environment in order to change people's behavior. As you heard in this podcast, the Casasa Loan changes the way people borrow money and pay it back. The result is that borrowers have more stability against financial setbacks and It reduces the risk of default for your institution. Best of all, you don't have to force them to adopt this behavior. They do it willingly and without asking for rate discounts or other concessions. If you'd like to hear the rest of Dan Ariely's presentation on helping people change their behavior for the better, I'll provide a link to the TED Talk in the show notes. Definitely worth watching. Thanks again for listening to Thinking Outside the Vault, a podcast produced and distributed by Casasa. Our theme music was written by Victoria Kerr, who also serves as our production assistant. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Stitcher, and leaving a review. This helps other listeners to discover us. You can also send your comments and feedback to social at casasa.com.